Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Listen, when the baseball season is over, yeah. when football is over, yeah. and that town begins to fully attenuate its sights on the Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. that better be a positive story. They booed him against the Spurs. Like, they already were in it. Yes. I think that was a home opener. They're just like, no. They were booing and beat. This is, listen, we can argue about whether or not that is wise or pathological or whatever, but that's just Philly. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Take Line. I'm your host, Jason Concepcion. This week, we're going NBA heavy and athletic heavy. The great, the wonderful, the best ever do it, Zach Harper, NBA insider extraordinaire, and of course, one of the great hosts of the Athletic NBA Show is my co-host today as we dissect the early season struggles of the Philadelphia 76ers and the Los Angeles Lakers, then Zach's fellow NBA insider at The Athletic, John Hollinger, the creator of PER, former front office executive for the Memphis Grizzlies, one of the great analysts looking at the NBA today will join us, and he will be giving us some of his thoughts, his way, way too early thoughts on the first week of the NBA season. Zach, it is way too early to make sweeping pronouncements Agreed. About things like, oh, the Knicks are better than we thought. Mm -hmm. The Jazz are out of the Wemby sweepstakes because they're playing too well. Mm -hmm. But I think that it is definitely not too early to make very, very authoritative statements about the Philadelphia 76ers and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers we expected. Yeah. But let's talk about the Sixers because, folks, everything coming out of Philly that is not Phillies related is bad right now. And, and Eagles related. Like it's, it's bad. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't like to overreact. Right. right. I like, I like to have some fun here, but I, for the most part, I'm so vain that I want to have measured takes on the NBA, sure. not swing one way or the other at the drop of Same. a hat because I want to be correct. Right. Like that's how vain I am. I would rather be correct than bias or whatever I had in the power rankings on the athletic for opening week, I had, I think the Sixers sixth in the NBA for like current status and everything. They were in a tier I called like brink of contention. Like they're right there. We just got to see this and this, and then they're going to be contenders and everything. Yep. I dropped them to 16th this week. <laughs> I'm done with them. It is. They're done. They're going to fire doc, right? They wanted to, they probably wanted to fire doc last year. That man's seat you can't measure the temperature of that seat right now. <laughs> I, well, I'm curious. Who do you think has a hotter seat right now? Is it Doc Rivers or Will Hardy? Because the Jazz are supposed to be losing, and this, <laughs> right this dumb guy keeps coaching them up to win. So it's Lowry Markkinen. And <laughs> because I think that Ainge has moves, right? It's just start yeah. trading guys. You know, like yeah. uh, these guys are playing too well and start trading the guys who are playing well. Will Hardy, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to do. I think it's Doc. I think right now the only question is what is Mike D'Antoni's schedule for the next three weeks? Like, is he around? If you're Doc and you just see Mike, like, at a sandwich shop somewhere in Philly, <laughs> are you like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, you don't work here anymore. You're not an assistant under Brett Brown anymore. Like, you got to go. I mean, I think that 
it's easy to overreact, right? But when Doc said last week after a shocking loss to the Spurs, shocking loss. Yeah. A team, again, there's a team who may be playing too well to truly tank for Victor Wambanyama. Said, we weren't ready to play. <laughs> I can't do it in the gravelly voice that he said. We weren't ready to play. To which, and usually, you know, Twitter, I don't put much stock in Twitter snipers and the things, I, you know, I'm a long-avowed Twitter sniper myself, and I'm just talking shit most of the time. Yeah. That said, everybody quote-tweeted that report with, well, whose job is it to get them ready to play? I'm just wondering. Is that not you? Doc. Yeah. I mean, this is a man who doesn't want to do it anymore, right? For sure. I mean, he, like, they don't practice. He just golfs. <laughs> Yo, well, that's well known. Yeah, but that's been for years. Like, you think he wouldn't yes. love to get in another couple of rounds every week? Like, of course he would. <laughs> Instead of getting on a plane, like, he could just go to, like, the Bel Air Country Club, be back in it. Like, that's what he wants. And so I look at it and... There was a point in the Sixers-Spurs game where I thought, oh, they don't have an answer for Devin Vassell. Mm -hmm. And that, like, shouldn't be the plight of the Sixers team. I think that it's weird, too, because, like, James Harden is playing really well offensively, yeah. right? Like, we know the defense, and yes, Rockets fans, he once was a good post defender for possessions of game. We don't need to put, like, the rest of the defense is laughable at best. They love to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's playing well. He's cooking. Like, he's getting to the free throw line enough. He's getting in the mid-range and knocking it down. He's hitting threes. Like, he's doing everything. But I don't think Joel knows how to play with that guy. Like, it's not that he can't learn, but you look and he had a switch with, I want to say like Wes Matthews on him yeah. at one point. And James had a mismatch on the perimeter, so he just starts cooking. And Joel just kind of like, walk slowly to the dunker spot in the baseline, but there was no like purpose with the movement. And he looks so slow right now. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's lethargy. Like, I don't know what it is, but right. Like he doesn't look locked in. Like he's has the most boring 27 and 13 to open a week where it just like the numbers don't really mean anything. He has no impact. And I, I, they have to figure out like the dynamic of that team. They've talked about, you know, like obviously did not play in Eurobasket and was dealing with stuff over the summer. And the Sixers have been open about that. His conditioning is just not going to be there for a little while, which is mm -hmm. <laughs> concerning. That said, <laughs> this is a team with Tyrese Maxey and James Harden in your backcourt. They're going to leak points they're gonna just be squirting points yeah and your answer to that is we have Joel Embiid back there and that has not been any kind of answer at all and that part of it to your point it just he doesn't look engaged or like he wants to do it and furthermore this is just a team with like parts that I don't know how they match you have one guy who really really wants to run and who is most effective when running Tyrese Maxey yeah you have a rest of the team that is just really not like Tobias Harris may be the fastest guy of the guys who play like a lot they just are not gonna run James Harden wants to dribble the ball 800 times yet this is a team that really needs to kind of swing it around to get Joel posted up in the position that he needs it's just I don't it's bad. Yeah. It looks bad right now, Zach. It's funny, too, because, like, in the preseason, there was a point where, like, people were like, man, they're bringing Matisse Thibel off the bench. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, that's like if the Thunder brought Andre Robertson off the bench, right? Like, it's not really like, a, oh, my God, look at all the depth we have. I thought they had more depth than they do coming into it. But we're at a point where 
when they play Paul Reed over Montrezl Harrell, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, they're at least going to have a little bit of defensive effort out there yeah. for the center position. Like, there was a, you know, you talk about Embiid not being really, like, engaged. There was a play in the Bucks game where Giannis, I think it was off an offensive rebound. They were kind of reset into the defense. And Giannis, like, was in the right corner. Like, he had migrated to the right corner and Embiid was on him on the switch. And it's not like he was hugging up on him in the right corner, but he's, like, a foot outside of the paint yeah. on the other side ball comes and it's just an easy drive he didn't even look to rotate like that's literally what you're there for you're the big one the big one's supposed to rotate and get in the way of that and like you can't like be mad at like, or be like yeah. worry about Giannis in the corner like that so there's not that decision that you made like you were just like I'm good I don't want to do this how long do you give doc how long do you think do you think it happens <sighs> I think it does um like if I set the over under at Thanksgiving right I think I'd take the under because I think that's something you have to handle sooner rather than later if this continues. I agree because the East is stacked and you just can't let this go too far. Yeah. Because I don't, this is not a Sixers team that really looks like it has the ability to kind of like claw its way back. And furthermore, it's also not a team that you really, bad vibes really affect this team. Yeah. We're talking Philly, a town that is ready, willing, and able to turn on this squad and God forbid, listen, when the baseball season is over, yeah. when football is over, yeah. and that town begins to fully attenuate its sights on the Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. that better be a positive story. They booed him against the Spurs. <laughs> like, they already were in it. Yes. I think that was a home opener. They're just like, no. They were booing and beat. This is, listen, we can argue about whether or not that is wise or pathological or whatever, but that's just Philly. Yeah. So... Folks, I think it needs to happen. I agree with you. I would take the under. Yeah. I would say they go, if they open first 10 games, if they start like three and seven or even five and five, if it's a bad five and five, right? I think that it's probably curtains for, for Doc Rivers. I think they desperately need the Phillies to win the World Series. Really do. And the Eagles, if it's anything less than the conference championship, the Sixers team can't handle can't. the reign of <laughs> horror that is going to befall this roster every single home game. Okay, let's talk about the other team about which it is absolutely appropriate to make sweeping statements about three games, four games, one week into the season, and that is the L.A. Lakers, who there is nothing that they can do. Yeah. That there is nothing they can do. I mean, every single day... Every single game is followed by six, seven, eight viral plays that get blown up on social media that is like Russell Westbrook yeah. bricking an 18-footer with 20 seconds left in the shot clock. Russell Westbrook blowing a layup. Patrick Beverly running around like a madman and then shooting off the side of the backboard. <laughs> people standing 15 feet away from every single Lakers player. I mean, and there's nothing they can do. No. Zach, there's no move that they have. <laughs> I have no skin in this game with the Lakers. I don't hate the Lakers. Like, I, in any way, like, I don't care. If they're good, great. If they're not, I'll make jokes. Like, I don't care. So I'm not one of those people who, like, takes joy in watching this. When, against Portland, when the <laughs> Lakers had a two-point lead with, like, 29 seconds left yeah. in the game and the ball and Russ jacked up a mid-range shot... I literally yelled at my TV in my bedroom, like, what are you doing? Like, I felt so upset in that moment. And now I'm trying to picture myself as a Laker fan and, like, what that moment must have been. 
And Russ is going to get scapegoated. Like this team sucks. It's not just Russ. He maybe embodies some of that, but like AD is not that guy. LeBron is just a scorer at this point. Like he's so bad defensively. Yeah. But we just marvel like, oh, you're 20, gonna catch Kareem, like which is fine. Like that's the vibe of this Lakers season. I mean, that's what the mission is gonna be really yeah. soon. We're gonna go for that soon. You have to like yeah. they have to focus on that. Jason, I have seen Andre Miller make more baskets on an errant alley-oop pass than I've seen three-pointers go in for this Lakers team so far this season. Like, it is... If you told me if they've hit three total three-point... I don't know what the number is, but if you told me it was three, <laughs> I'd believe you. I'd believe you. Here, here's the... Look, check, check out these numbers, okay? <laughs> LeBron, 25.9% from three. Anthony Davis, 20%. Lonnie Walker IV, 17.6%. Patrick Beverly, 21.4%. Russell Westbrook, 8.3%. Austin Reeves, 28.6%. Juan Toscano Anderson, 12.5%. Kendrick Nunn, 23.1%. It takes to the ninth most attempts on the team, which is Matt Ryan Uh. at five to get to a 40% shooter. You know, LeBron famously said that we don't have lasers on this team. They don't have a slingshot. lasers (laughs) lasers <laughs> they don't have a slingshot they don't have a spitball they don't have anything and listen i'm not going to present myself as some sort of basketball genius but it does seem to me when you don't have shooters the blueprint is defense like we're going to grind it down sure we're going to make it work for everything and because we're not going to be able to outscore you certainly not efficiently and this is also a team that's not going to do that right well, Jason, you know, if you look at this team and see like, oh, there's really no shooters on this roster, would you take 40 a game? Would you take 43s a game? Because that's what they're doing. They look at this roster and say, jack them up, boys. That is the part of it that doesn't make sense. Why is Russell Westbrook taking six threes a game? Why does that happen at all? I do actually feel bad now for the way, <laughs> because he is not specifically the only problem. No. Right. But he is like the symbol for it for some reason. Yes. He is the symbol for it. And listen, we could relitigate the deal that brought him here and the fact that Polinka got an extension. All that. Forget all that. Sure. What do we do now is the question. And the answer is, I don't know. Like, even if you attach the draft picks, which I think the Lakers are wise to think about not attaching to anything and are protecting like the crown jewels right now for the long rumored deal that would deliver Buddy Heald and, I don't know, Miles Turner, I guess. Yeah. That, what does that do? Does that a play in maybe like I, I'm not sure what that does, because the other part of this that is really and truly scary is that LeBron and AD are still top 25 guys, right? Sure. They've slipped down that ranking. And when you do that, like the air up there is very thin. Mm-hmm. So coming down, going from like the fourth best guy to the eighth best guy, that's a drop. And I think it's a drop that significantly alters the ceiling of this squad. I think like a potential Buddy Heald, Miles Turner trade, it at least gives them a lineup. Right. There's a lineup. That I'm like, sure, like that, like that works, right? If I'm Steve Kerr or Bob Myers or Steph Curry or Andre Iguodala, I would go up to Draymond Green after every single Lakers <laughs> game and say, I fucking dare you to sign with that team this summer. Yeah. I dare you. Like, go do it. Like, we'll replace you with Kaminga for it. We don't give a shit. We dare you to go sign with that team because they're going to give you the max because of clutch. I mean, it's really what they need is another, you know, low double-digit <laughs> three-point shooter. We're, we're, we're shooting 21% of the season. What will fix that? Let's get Draymond in here. Let's get let's let, him, let him mix it up. 
With his backpack jump shot. Like, listen, if the Lakers could do the thing that they really need to do, they would just blow it up entirely. Yeah. Focus on catching Kareem. Okay, that's going to be our narrative this season. Mm -hmm. And just, that's it. And then just blow this team up. Blow it up. (sighs) Do you think that, I realize, like, I think I have a skewed view on this because I've never really been an AD guy. And so (laughs) as I see him, like, be borderline useless out there in terms of like getting the team to wins. I feel vindicated finally. Like the, that championship <laughs> really brought me down. It's not like I, I've never thought he's bad. I've just been like, and I think I can be honest about this. It was when he was coming out of Kentucky. People were like, oh, he's like Kevin Garnett. And I was like, slow yeah, your fucking roll, okay? Like this, yeah, like all right. This is like, look, I know KG's a piece of shit and everything, but I love him. And like that was my childhood. And like, don't you yeah, dare. Yeah, yeah. Like this dude's nothing like KG. So I do feel vindicated that I never really bought in, and this is him at his peak and everything. And the championship definitely took a hit to that agenda. But are there teams that would look at AD right now and say, not like, oh, will we trade for him? I think you would trade for him. But what is like a, like, could you get what the Jazz got for Donovan Mitchell? Like, you're not getting what you got for for Gobert. You're not getting anything close to what you gave up for him in terms of that deal to, to New Orleans. So like, what is, what is he, 29? Like, what are you giving up for a 29-year-old Anthony Davis at this point who, doesn't seem to affect winning in the way that you would expect. I completely agree. And then to your point, because of the way Victor is going to warp the lower end of the league this season, yeah, you're really only working with teams like Sacramento, you know, like teams on the bubble who want to be good and are too good to tank. Right. And, you know, but it, but then again, I don't know why Sacramento would do that considering the kind of like good vibes they have around the team. Well, they suck. They they suck, but like there's glimmers there. And it is also, a th- I, you know, you could see that ownership group being like, push all in, let's go, here it is. Uh, now is the time. <laughs> what is what is pushing all in? For the I don't know. Because <laughs> I thought it was when they acquired Kevin Herter. Like yeah. I thought it was like, oh shit, they're going for it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, but like to your point, I don't know what the market for AD is right now, considering his injury history, his age, yeah. where he appears to be in his career, and the fact that, you know, like Russell Westbrook, I think he sees himself in a certain way and carries himself sure. in a certain way that's probably not amenable to whatever team would want him. There was a great question in, I think, a group chat that you're in as well, where our friend Nick Nampe asked about the Blazers. Leave the contracts out of it. Right. Who's the worst Blazer? you would trade straight up for Russell Westbrook. And I think they came to a consensus of it was either Keon Johnson or Greg Brown. And I think it's a great exercise to do for every team of like, let's pretend you don't have to match contracts. Like who's the worst player on this team? Like what's the lowest you would go on that depth chart to trade for Russell Westbrook? And it's like for the Blazers, if it's above Keon Johnson or Greg Brown's ability, they're like, nah, it's not worth it. Well, I mean, I mean, I'd do Julius Randle for AD right now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> But I'd also trade him for Draymond Green. I would. uh, He's playing well. I I shouldn't. Julius is playing really well right now and looks. You know what? I want to say this about the Knicks. I was very skeptical. I still am skeptical, but the energy and the vibe that is there the first two games, I'm all in on. Like, that's what I wanted to see out of those guys early on. We'll see if that sustains because I don't know. I don't know how you can be a player on that team and look at Tom Thibodeau's beard every day and be like, yeah, I'm going to buy in. Because that beard, that's one of the worst beards we've ever seen. But the vibes of this team, the energy, like it through two games, I know it's dumb, but like through two games, I'm like, that's 
that I don't like it doesn't feel like last year at all. Like we've got good problems. Like when yeah. will Hartenstein be starting? Like those are the kind of yeah. uh things. And and sadly, because the East is so stacked, it's like unclear to me how much better actually in terms of wins and losses they're actually gonna be than last year's team. But right. they're just so much more fun to watch. I wanna make an admission similar to your AD admission. Okay. I've always kind of been a little bit of a Russ hater. Like I've always enjoyed the swagger, the courageousness. Yeah. But also like, you know, as a person who has watched basketball my whole life, bad basketball plays always like just annoy me, you know? Not passing <laughs> to Kevin Durant late in games. Yeah. It always just really, really frustrated me. And I got to say, I think when the story of Russell Westbrook is all written, one of the things that will become obvious is how at every stage of – at every, like, fork in the road point of his career, people bet on Russ and lost tragically, dramatically, going back – to, you know, it's been overblown, but going back to the hard or Russ and Ibaka kind of decision that the OKC made, it clearly they yeah. picked the wrong thing there. And I think you just move it forward. I think that people have been betting on Russ for a while and it's the returns are only getting worse and worse and worse. It's crazy that I think the Wizards are the only team that's like really won here. Right. And they had to give up a first with John Wall yep. to make that deal. But he dragged them to the playoffs of one year. He was there. That second half of the COVID shortened season was insane because they were literally like... The first half of the season was very, very rough. They had missed like two straight weeks. Yeah. So they had to make up all these games. And Russ was just like, I'm built for this. I will... Like, you want me to play when other guys won't play and like put up stats? I'll do this. I'll get us to wins. They got through the play-in. They got to the first round. They got bounced. And then they traded him for like KCP and Kuzma and everything. Like, that's the best Westbrook like experience return start to finish that has been like completely positive and not like a dramatic drop off. Well, I think that's the blueprint for what you have to do with Russ now. Like if you want to get the most effectiveness out of him, you turn over the keys to him completely. Yeah. And come what may, you know, I think it was the first part of that wizard season was really, really shaky until he kind of mm -hmm. like shook the rust off and started doing the thing. And that mostly involved like Russ just being Russ. Yeah. But you also have to be very, very clear-eyed about the ceiling of that kind of play. And it's a low playoff berth. And it is definitely not a yeah. championship. And it's not even the second round. No, definitely not. But you just you also have to be careful because if you bring him off the bench, it's he'll get injured. Because his body isn't built that way. I guess. <laughs> That's my favorite. That's the like early leader in the clubhouse for just quotables, right? So what you're referencing is a quote by uh, by Russ. He was asked if coming off the bench at all played into like a hamstring tweak that he suffered. And he said, yeah, you know, like I didn't yeah. I didn't even know how to warm up, he said, which to me, listen, <laughs> ask any number of players that you play with right now who come off the bench. You could. Hey, what do you do to warm up <laughs> when you guys come <laughs> off the bench? That's one. Like if we're being sincere, if that's sincerely like yeah. a take. And then uh -huh. two, like you're the first player that's ever transitioned from the starting role to the Mexican. <laughs> like it's just, I feel bad. His answer was absolutely, <laughs> not maybe, not yeah. You know what? So, 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 it was. Did this? He said absolutely, no doubt, no notes, just off the bench, hamstring. Well, let's bring on noted NBA expert. One of the greatest yes. to ever do it, John Hollinger, to help us talk about these issues and more. 
For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships Registry Malta. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, honey, you know your dad's world-famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was, like, super hot. And then I, um, dropped it, and now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? <laughs> honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. The season openers are in the books, and the 2022 NBA season is underway. Here to discuss this season's storylines as they exist right now, the Wambanyana tankers, and everything in between is John Hollinger, senior NBA columnist for The Athletic. John, welcome back to Take Line. John, welcome to the program. What a entertaining first week of the NBA season. Any surprises jump out to you right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, Utah inadvertently winning three games, I think, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> How right? dare you? Stands what? Out. <laughs> what? what? How dare you? What is going on here? Submerge that fine franchise. Yeah. Yeah, John, Will Hardy hot seat or what's, uh, what's going on? <laughs> no, you're screwing it all up, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, well, that it feels like 
you know, obviously if they're too good, there's various things that Ainge could do. But that it feels like that's a squad that will come down to earth at some point. No? They'll get to the number they need to get to in due time. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the flattened lottery odds, though, really change this because you just need to achieve a certain level of badness. Um, mm-hmm. You don't need to humiliate yourself the way the process Sixers did, let's say, in order to... <laughs> get roughly the same potential reward because the bottom six or seven teams are going to have roughly similar odds. So it's not quite the race to the bottom that it was maybe four or five years ago. On a scale of one to process, you know, the process Sixers went three and oh, they beat the heat behind Michael Carter Williams, like to start that season. They did. Yeah. No, Tony Roten had a triple double and like we were getting shit about it. Like, <laughs> how did you man. trade that guy? Oh my God. All right, I just want to do 20 quick minutes on Tony Roden and then then you guys talk whatever you want. But but so I'm wondering like is that more surprising or is it Lowry Markinen and Kelly Olynyk like can't be stopped as a duo and and there's just nothing anyone else can can do about it. I I actually thought Utah would be okay to begin the season until they start trading some more guys because they do have a lot of offensive talent on this team. Right now, if I mean you look at the stats, they're sort of benefiting from Jedi three-point defense and that's going to even itself out, but there's enough offense on that team to kind of stick around 500 for the first half of the season, but they'll work it out. Don't you worry. (laughs) 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 They'll figure it out to that end. Baxter Holmes of ESPN had a story that that dropped late last week in which it quoted NBA commissioner Adam Silver as saying, you know, we put teams on notice regarding the tanking for French prospect Victor Wambayama. And that, you know, one of the things that they had talked about was relegation and it Adam didn't really expound on in what context he brought that up. But my initial reaction to that was, come on, man, get serious. Why are you even bringing up a thing that will never, ever, ever happen? Relegation seems totally hopeless to me. Like it would completely change how the league operates, basically, (laughs) because there would be this class of teams that sort of operated in the netherworld between the the first division and the second division, but couldn't go all the way in on investing in their teams because they knew the chance of relegation was out there. So you'd sort of have the core teams that always stayed up the way you do in English football. And then you'd have this second tier of teams that can maybe get relegated and maybe not. Like, I mean, you know, theoretically, yes, Manchester City could get relegated, but like, you know, what? their budget is like five times yeah. everyone else's. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Lakers versus Maine Red Claws <laughs> on Twitch next season. <laughs> and then like with the salary cap and everything, like, yeah, yeah, like, okay, you've been relegated to the G League, but you still have a $120 million payroll for the next year. Like, no, yeah. it's it just... There are too many structural impossibilities in how the NBA operates. I'd love to see Fort Wayne put up the Lakers for a <laughs> night. And just, just how are we going to make that work? How are you going to deal with the mad ants on the back-to-back with, with Sioux Falls? I want to see the Lakers actually staying in the uh, Best Western Ramcota Inn in Sioux Falls, <laughs> where, uh, where everyone stays well, when they play there. Oddly specific, John. That's, that is a man who has yes. traveled the G League. <laughs> I wonder, it feels like Adam Silver at that point is just the dad saying, I'll turn this car around. No intention. You're still going to the theater, but like you're still going to the movies, but like they're not going to turn this car around. And I don't know, John, like you're a smart person. Like I've always just said, 
just even the the odds one through 14. If we're going to keep the draft, like just even the odds right. one through 14, like it used to be. And the argument against that is always, well, what if someone tanks out of the playoffs to get a pick? I'm like, it's still just a one in 14 shot. And I don't know how many like franchises, especially like greedy owners are going to go out there and say like, yeah, well, I'll pass up on a round of, of playoff revenue for, for whatever this is. Yeah. Nobody's going to tank out of the playoffs just for a 7% chance at the top pick. I think people did not like the previous format because they felt like it because they did do that for a while. And the teams at the bottom were very salty about it. And they just felt like it helped teams that didn't really need to be helped. And so I'm okay with the somewhat staggered odds we have now um, where it's highly likely that the top pick will go to a bad team, but you don't necessarily like the marginal value of, Oklahoma City trying to lose one more game than San yeah. Antonio. Like, it just isn't there. So I, I think the way they figured this out is pretty good right now. But even as unbiased media members, like, we can all agree we're all rooting for the Lakers to get the number one pick and then the Pelicans to get to swap in. And, <laughs> yes. like, that's that's the best-case scenario, right, for this whole thing shaking out. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Zach, I do have to disagree with one thing you said, though. You started this off by saying, John, you're a smart guy. Uh, and I, I just need I just need to call bullshit relative to to the one you're talking to here, because like, you, you you start talking like, I don't know, cosines and tangents and bullshit. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. Here. They would have to build a statue of Robert Palinka somewhere in new orleans if indeed that came to pass i think you have to change pierre the pelican to just a remake of rob palenka right the new orleans palinkas i think you name the franchise after him because not only are you talking about a new orleans team that like could easily win 50 games this year i mean they they look you know hopefully zion stays healthy took a took a knock in the last game yeah getting blocked at the rim but that is a team that is laden with talent and has good vibes around it for the first time in what seems like several seasons. If they added Wambayama, forget about it. Again, name the team the New Orleans Plinkas after that. (laughs) John, tell us why, if you could, why is Victor such a generous, why are teams willing to just like throw it all away for a lottery ticket to get this kid? So I saw him in Vegas play twice and he was unbelievable. I mean, he's, 7-4, 7-4, he's sort of a cross between Chris Stapps, Przingis, Ralph Sampson, and Dirk Nowitzki because his shot is just butter. Like, it is so easy and so pure and so fluid at that size. It's incredible to see. He can really handle the ball for his size. Seems very mature and put together, too. Like, just watching his interviews and stuff. And so, basically, like, there were 30 teams there who spent five days looking for red flags <laughs> and they didn't find it. You know what I mean? They're looking at this guy trying to ask themselves, okay, what's the catch? And there's no catch. It's stunning to like, cause everyone's been like, it's, this is a guy you create in a video game. Right. And yeah. And it's stunning to look at this. Like, it's funny because I looked at Chet Holmgren and I'm like, he'll be a good player, but there's something about it I don't like. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. just like he's not as fluid as I would want him to be on the perimeter. And, I, you know, the slight bodybuilding and everything. Victor Wembayama is not quite that skinny. He looks a little more built out, but he's like even more stretched out than Holmgren. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, that guy. Yeah. Like, that's the guy. Like, if you're not yeah. tanking for him, you're negligent. Yeah. Like, it reminds me of when I, as a kid, I first saw Shaq and obviously completely different body types. But it was that, oh, this just looks like 
a regular sized person that you scaled up. Yes. Complete to seven <laughs> foot one. Yeah. And and I'm not, you know, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. again, like Victor is a little skinnier than that, but he looks to your point about like Dirk or a play, like he has moves that a smaller player would use. Like he's got this fade to the corner, which I'm like, do you even need that? Like, why did you even work <laughs> yeah, on that? Like, you don't need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, that and, and it's the way he moves and the grace with which he carries himself. And then again, the, the kind of frame that he has, where he just looks like a very tall guy who you scaled up in a natural way to be 7'4 or whatever it is. And he looks like he has complete control of the way his body moves. He doesn't look like one of these guys who had, you know, a late teens growth spurt where it's all of a sudden they're like, oh, how do I move my legs and arms there is none of that he looks yeah. like he came out of the womb seven he's so four and just yeah it's unreal yeah the absence of one thing kind of stuck out to me like i don't think i saw him fall down wow yeah roy hibbert used to fall down once every two plays like roy yeah. hibbert was averaging the most fall downs <laughs> yeah. in history jim mcelvain for the old timers <laughs> jim Jim McElvain was a, was just a slip and slide. Like he was just always going to the ground. Yeah, yeah. it was it was unbelievable. I was going to say, you know, lost in all the talk about how absolutely tragic comic the Lakers are, and I'll get your take on that in a second. Is the Clippers who maybe ISO too much, but who John Wall is giving them everything they could have hoped for at this early stage of the season. I, you know, bring Kawhi off the bench. I don't, we'll see how that works going forward, but that looks like a good team. All right. So uh, let me give you a trivia question. Sure. You know who's 30th in offense right now after at our very long season after three games? I'll just guess the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Lakers, the LA Lakers. They're like way, way in last. Uh, you know who's 29th? Is it the Clippers? It is. Yes. Yeah, but the vibes are like a top 15 offense. Yeah. <laughs> the vibes. <laughs> It's interesting how they're using uh, Kawhi, right. you know, because what they're basically decided to do is just skip his first turn in the rotation almost and just pretend as if it happened and then like sub him back in in the middle of the second quarter, except he never played the first quarter and just continue from there as though things were totally normal. It's a little weird with the club. I, mean, I don't want to overreact to three games almost, in, you know, anyway, high or low. They are built to kind of need another guy, uh, Norm Powell, they were hoping would be that guy, another guy to step up and score two. And they haven't really gotten that yet. Powell has been struggling. Reggie Jackson hasn't really gotten going. John Wall has been really encouraging. He sat out the one game with the back-to-back, but so that's been a really nice sign for them. Overall, like I like this Clippers team. I think they're deep. I think they can match up a lot of ways. I'm a little worried that they only have one real center, but they're sort of making it work so far. And Kawhi will eventually play more minutes but as they go through the regular season it's definitely a little still a little bit of like a work in progress feel with them for like the melting pot in the east that is like cleveland toronto atlanta chicago who do you believe in the most and who do you believe in the least out of those four uh so least is chicago that's an easy one I didn't believe in them even healthy, but with no Lonzo, with Zach Levine and the knee issue, I don't think they're deep enough. I don't think they have enough shooting. I don't really like their guards that much. I mean, Caruso's a great defender, but in terms of like offense and creation and whatnot, there's just too much of a load on DeRozan right now. Of that group who I like the most, I'm going to say Cleveland. Mm. I think, you know, they've been able to play pretty well even without Garland these last couple games. I worry a little about their depth too in their small forward position, but... With that Allen Mobley front court combo, just putting a lid on the rim, I think really helps them. And then 
having Mitchell obviously to be the kind of go-to scorer for them. I just think they have a lot of different ways to beat you now. I, I think they'll be really good. Does the Bulls medical staff need to stop injecting metal filings into the knees of their players? <laughs> Is that what they've been doing? <laughs> I believe so. I think that's what they pulled out of Lonzo's knee. Yeah. That explains a lot. Yeah. Um, I've We talked about the Clippers and their lack of centers. Their former backup center, Isaiah Hartenstein, now a player for the New York Knicks. One of my favorite sub, 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 sub plots of the season has been a Reddit user whose name escapes me now, who I have to say did accurately predict that Nikola Jokic would be like an MVP level player back in the day, Okay, has now predicted that uh, Hartenstein will similarly uh, rise to the level of an NBA all-star. That's optimistic. <laughs> all that aside. All-star, like a guy who plays in the all-star game, all-star? Like an all-star. I Like, again, this is crazy, and I don't even know why I brought it Not up. Not like voted in as part of some, like, internet ruse that, like, catches fire. No, no, no. Like an actual all-star, like, all-NBA-level player. It's one of the greatest threads in internet history. All that aside, Hartenstein, you just feel like he will start at some point, mostly because Mitchell Robinson will, like, get injured shortly. But he, along with Jalen Brunson, are the two, like, greatest additions in recent Nick history that I can remember. Please tell me why that is the case. I just want to hear it. I just love it. <laughs> They're not going to be a good team. They're going to be fighting for the play-in. But it's the vibes again, are wonderful right now around that squad. A lot of leftiness going on. It's like almost mm -hmm. all leftiness. Yeah. No, I mean, having guys who actually know how to play basketball on the team is like a nice little twist. Um, <laughs> it's a weird concept. <laughs> it's not typically the type of move that the Knicks have been known for making, let's say, you know, they've gone for shinier objects mostly. Yeah. But also Brunson. It's 26, Hartenstein's 24. Like, they're going to be around for a while. So I think it's not your typical, like, 33-year-old veteran Knicks free agent pickup. So I, th I think it's exciting because of that. So New York has done a lot of things right in kind of this Rose, Leon Rose era, Leon slash Derek, I guess, uh, Rose era rebuild. Uh, but <laughs> the uh, they, they still kind of need that centerpiece, that big fish. Uh, like, Julius Randle is not... That guy, clearly, I don't think R.J. Barrett is going to be that guy. He'll be a good player, you know, same with Brunson. But they kind of need a guy who's going to be one of the 10 best players in the East, at the very least, to be kind of the centerpiece of that team. And then I think that's the point where they turn into a team where their depth really pushes them forward when they, when they have star talent and depth as well. Because right now they're just like 10 decent to good players, which, you know, kind of gets you in the middle of the pack. Now, John, some pundits have said Cam Reddish is that guy. Some, some, you know, pundits with like really good hair and maybe like an amazing. Yeah. A lot of people here in Atlanta have been, yeah. been talking that one up. Yeah. A lot of people here in this zoom box right here have, uh, have said that Cam Reddish is that guy. So, you know, I think they maybe have him, but Tom just has to play him more. Yeah. Let me just say, so he started the season strong and it's been fantastic to see. He, for every, like, incredible, like, gifted play he makes offensively where he just kind of, like, instinctively knifes into the lane after getting an offensive rebound or steal or whatever, it's accompanied by two or three plays where he's just like, where's my guy? I forgot about him. He's like, well, yeah, what am I doing on defense? Where am I supposed to stand? Oh, oh, over here. And you can actually watch all of that play out. Like, if you just watch him... 
And he's middle management J.R. Smith. <laughs> like he just like <laughs> <laughs> lots of dribbling misadventures too. <laughs> Any other surprises over this? You know, this early part of the. I guess we should talk about the Lakers. Yeah. What actual positive option do they have, if any? A, just counting on the fact that, okay, even if we're bad at shooting, we can't possibly be this bad, right? I mean, they're shooting open shots and missing them because people are just know. leaving them alone. <laughs> yeah, they're wide open shots. Like setting aside yeah. Westbrook, okay? Like... LeBron, 26%. Lonnie Walker, 17%. Pat Beverly, 21%. Austin Reeves, 28%. Yeah. Kendrick Nunn, 23%. Like, surely they're capable of better than that, right? I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know, John. <laughs> <laughs> they look pretty bad. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can't wait to talk to you again. And, of course, we're going to be following everything you do over the course of the season because... You're one of the greatest to ever do it. Oh, stop. Thank you. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show. And check out my pop culture and entertainment podcast, X-Ray Vision, which comes out every Friday. Check it out. Goodbye. Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah DeWalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for Vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.